You are listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast Series. We pray you experience the deep life and wide love that God has for you today. Hey, this is Jonathan Evans, and this sermon is a part of our series, King and Kingdom on the Gospel of Mark. You'll get the most out of this podcast if you pause now and read Mark 5, 21 through 43. The sermon's entitled, Two Women Healed. This week, I took my daughter to the ophthalmologist, and uh, this story starts way back eight years ago when we found out that JL was legally blind in one eye. And uh, we were shocked uh, what uh, condition she's in. How could we miss this after six, seven years of her life uh, and not notice? And with a lot of prayer and patching uh, and struggles with that, um, this week we heard the news from the doctor. He said this, if you weren't such good parents, your daughter would be legally blind in her left eye. and. Uh, we are thankful that uh, things turned out to be okay. In fact, JL doesn't even need to wear her glasses much anymore, although her sight isn't full uh, in that one eye. Uh, she's going to live uh, quite normally. And that I, I share that story because the stories that you just read and that we're going to explore today has to do with a father uh, wanting the best for his child. And also, uh, we're going to look at a woman who wants the best for her and her life. Uh, and these are all encapsulated in the hopes and expectations of a community and a nation. These two stories, one inside the other, are like a pizza pocket. They're meant to be understood together. And so you don't just eat the crust or you don't just eat the filling, you need to take them both in as a whole. And both of these stories follow from the previous narrative theme uh, in this chapter and the previous, which is faith and fear in the power of Jesus. So for us to understand this concept, we're going to have to look at these two stories in stereo with both eyes wide open. Well, what links these two stories? We have two women from the opposite ends of a social spectrum. One is a privileged daughter with a father who can approach Jesus face to face. Another, a woman who has no voice and no visibility. She has to sneak up on Jesus from behind. But what do they have in common? Well, the clue is in this number 12. Notice that they both carry the number 12. The girl is 12 years old and uh, sick and suffering, and the other uh, bleeding for 12 years. 12 is the number of completion or fulfillment for the Hebrews. It's why they have 12 tribes. And their destiny was to be full. But in this, Israel and these two girls are living anywhere near uh, fullness. Both of these women are destitute daughters of Israel. And they represent the potential promise, the light to the rest of the world Israel was supposed to have, but the situation was anything but fruitful. Let's look at the 12-year-old daughter. She was the daughter of a small town associate pastor of a synagogue. She was dying and the hopes of the community, the understanding of her father's holiness and the town's blessing was at stake. Not only that, she was beloved. 
a young woman at the age of 12 would be considered just starting her role as a bearer of children, a new adult member of the community with expectations of marriage and contribution towards the praise and promise of Yahweh. But this girl will not be fruitful, despite the time. She was diseased and dead, with little hope in her small community of any recovery, just like many families who had lost children at a young age. The burden and grief of parents in a community's lives, with when their promised hopes and expectations end up unfulfilled, leave a heart sick. And recovery is a long and slow process through grief to accept life as it is. And somebody who's been living that acceptance is this other woman, 12 years continually bleeding. This would have made her ceremonially unclean and discharged from the community. She would have to quarantine. Anyone who touched her would become unclean. She suffered from a fatal curse and embarrassment affecting her physical, social, and financial well-being because she is a super spreader of uncleanliness. She was essentially destitute with nobody who could help her. And this bleeding too is a sign of her unfruitfulness. Her womb was not functioning as it intended. She couldn't have kids. She and Israel were barren, hemorrhaging faith and living the fearful existence of a cursed, cast-off, impoverished, and unacceptable life. The situation for this woman, for Israel, was quite dire, and there was nothing she could do to get it out. So, what do we see in this chapter? One, the importance of touch. And then second, we'll look at fear and how faith is greater than fear. When we are sick or cut off, we desire touch. In chapter 5, verse 23, Jairus approaches Jesus and asks, Please come, lay hands on her, so she will be healed and lived. Or in chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, when she, the woman, heard about Jesus, she came up from behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And Jesus notices in 5.30, he says, who touched my clothes? And then if we go back to the Jairus story in verse 41, Jesus takes the little girl by the hand and says, Talithakum, little girl, get up. In all these instances, there's a desire to reach out and have God in Jesus touch humanity, just as God touched humanity and brought life in the very beginning. And God in Jesus is all the more willing to reach towards humanity and touch. It's this interchange. See, to be human is to desire touch, to be loved, and not only just touched by other people, but to have an encounter with God. And what's special about Jesus' touch is he is a new temple. He's heaven's ideal future breaking into our present dark and damaged world. And there's an invitation for that touch here today. But first, to have that encounter, we need to get over fear. The woman who reached and touched Jesus was scared. 
when he noticed that power had gone from her, him to her, she thought she did something wrong, that she would be singled out again and banished, that she's done something selfish and inappropriate. And Jairus, he's told when Jesus comes, don't be afraid, just believe. And that's in the continuing sense. So it can also be read, don't be afraid, just keep on believing. We see from both these stories and the stories before our human response to God, to Jesus, is fear. Who has power over the seas? Who can cast out demons? If he has power over creation and evil, will God work against us? If God has all this power, will he regret us asking? Will he let us have to live with our miserable fate? In our condition of frailty, inhumanity, of sin and ignorance, God does not resent us. In expressing our desires and needs to God, we don't need to be afraid. Hear Jesus' response. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Son, do not fear. Only believe. That is, it isn't wrong to be scared. You don't need to be afraid. Belief is the answer. Faith is greater than all our fear. So let's examine faith in these stories. First, the faith of the bleeding woman. In her bold faith and expectation of Jesus' power to heal, she takes matters into her own hands. She does not live by the verdict of the community and ancient doctors. She breaks the religious rules for the unclean and touches Jesus from behind, and immediately, it says, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. People would have expected Jesus to become cursed, but no. At once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. His response? Daughter, your faith has healed you. It turns out that healing does not come free, though. Jesus invites her to step out again in faith by being identified. It will not bankrupt her as the physicians had done before, but she must publicly acknowledge her faith in Jesus, that he is the source of her healing. And in doing so, she moves from hidden, unknown, and unloved to the central, beloved daughter because of her bold faith. Jesus sends her, go in peace. This benediction recruits the Hebrew concept of shalom, to live in wholeness, well-being, prosperity, security, friendship, salvation, and fruitfulness. Meanwhile, in Jairus, he earlier fell at Jesus' feet and desperately begged for Jesus to come. Jesus agrees. He never denies a fervent request to come into our desperate situation. Faith's first step is to call out of our weakness to the one who has power. But Jairus must wait for Jesus to come, and he heals others on the way. Our asking doesn't put us at the front of the line. Jesus will come and heal in his perfect timing. Sometimes we must wait. But in waiting, 
our faith opens the door to the power of God. Faith transfers divine power into those who are utterly powerless. It saves. Your faith has healed you, literally saved you. Faith can, in these stories, be imperfect. It can be bold. It can be halting. It can be brave. It can be laced with fear and trepidation. But what counts for it to be effective is for it to be directed rightly to Jesus and God. What saved this father's daughter and this woman was that their faith was directed towards Jesus. So the question today is not what kind of faith do you have, but where do you put your faith or in whom do you believe? And what impact will that have on your life? See, in the story, there's also people who do not have faith. There's the disciples. And with all these people around you, Jesus, you're asking who touched me? Everybody's touching you. They didn't believe Jesus' experience in his words that something had happened. How sad when Jesus' followers do not believe the invisible, spiritual, immediate power of Jesus and his Spirit's presence that tells us that he's at work in this world. How sad it is when Christians think other Christians are crazy for the way they believe in Jesus' healing and words. There's also the friends of Jairus. They said, why bother the teacher? Well, their lack of faith can be more excused, but they didn't know and see Jesus in action like the disciples. They only knew him as teacher. And when Jesus asks, what's the commotion? She's not dead at but asleep, the crowd laughs at him. The world only knows the reality of cruelty and the ultimate words of sickness and death. And this is especially true for us today when we get a daily update on how many people are infected and die from COVID-19. The thing is, what does Jesus do with people's lack of faith? It doesn't stop him. But he invites those few, those with faith, into the intimate setting of healing. Notice Jesus doesn't pander to the crowd, pick up the girl and heal her outside of the house. He doesn't say, announce it from the mountaintops, that which I do. No, he, with dignity and respect for his beloved daughters, brings them to life and light in his intimate presence. Faith is first and an encounter with Jesus, and the side effects are life in this age and the next. And that's important to look at in this, because evil and sickness and the death of children continue to exist in this world. This little girl's been spared death for now, but has not been given a total reprieve. The woman has been healed for now, but she will face new ailments as she grows older. Faith, however, is able to hold on in the face of death, knowing that God has conquered death in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The lowest point in Martin Luther's life was when his beloved daughter Magdalena, barely 14 years of age, was stricken with the plague. Brokenhearted, he knelt beside her bed and begged God to release her from pain. And when she had died, and the carpenters were nailing down the lid of her coffin, Luther screamed out, Hammer away! On doomsday, she'll rise again! Faith is greater than fear. Hammer away! We will rise again. 
We know this because when our Lord Jesus was nailed to the cross, that was not the verdict. When he died for our sins, when he bled and was put in the grave, that was not the final answer. On the third day, he rose again, showing his victory over sin and death. His promise that if we believe we will have resurrection life is available for us today. Resurrection life for all our problems, all our hopes for our daughters and our sons, for our own suffering. We know a power we can turn to. And we have a power that has the final answer that on that last day, we will rise again. Let me finish with this prayer, Behind All My Asking, by Richard Foster. Dear Father God, I feel like I ask you for so many things, but you bid me to ask, and behind all my asking is the deeper longing for you, Lord. I do want you above all things. I can survive if you say no to the things, but please, Father, I must have you, or I die. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast. For more messages and contact us, please head to our website, byvr.life.